<laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, good morning, everybody. We're not live yet. Good. So, let's get this going. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. There we go. Good morning, everybody. This is the Mac and Jack Show. And we have Byron Williams in early. But first, this is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Come on, board. Help me out here. Help me out. We're on, Mac. They hear you, so get going. Come on, Mac. Come on. Jack. Jack. Just relax, buddy. I'm trying to get the promotions and everything going here, my friend. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Friday edition. We got Mac, Jack, and Byron Williams. Before we start out with the sports, I've got a, a, a little thing I want to say about a, a man who just passed away a couple days ago. A, a friend of mine that I never met, believe it or not, his name is Dan Dave Harris. He ran the Let's Talk Sports Network. He passed away two days ago from cancer. Uh, he was there for me and Linda when we started up the Northeast Streaming Sports Network. Um, always checking on me, uh, seeing how I was doing. A lot of people don't know that I've been fighting cancer here for a while. And uh, I'm lucky. You know, I'm still around. Dan isn't. Uh, but like I said, though he was in a wheelchair and he built this great sports network called Let's Talk Sports. Go over there and check out all his shows. It's still around. Hopefully, uh, the person in charge here keeps it going. And uh, so a couple days ago, he passed away. I'm sad. But uh, like I said, even though uh, he was in bad shape, he always checked in on me. So uh, rest in peace, Dan Dave Harris. So let's get going and start talking a little bit about sports here. Um, MLB, the MLB playoffs have been set up. We're going to the to the, uh, the championships in each conference here. Um, Jack, your Atlanta Braves, they get knocked out by the uh, by the Phillies, and they're in the they're in the championship again. Jack, I mean, uh, what do you got to say? I mean, no, that was your pick to go to a series. That was my pick to go all the way. The Atlanta Braves, my preseason pick. They won 104 games. They got a buy, you know, as a result of it. And then they got a tough matchup with the Phillies. I expected them to prevail. And they lose yeah. three games to one. It's going to be a long winter for Atlanta because you play all year. And then you have a best three out of five. And all of a sudden, it's over. Uh, and the, the Phillies came in with a lot of momentum. They were a strong team the second half of the season. And maybe... In the future, when we make predictions, we should look at that a little more. Not the overall record, but how they're finishing up. I mean, the team could be gaining momentum in, in as little as two, the last two weeks of the season. And they're on an upswing while another team is maybe going flat. But nevertheless, I mean, I was extremely surprised because I did expect Atlanta to win. Some people were calling the Atlanta Braves potentially an all-time great team during the season when they were really playing well. And look what happened. They're out. 
Iron, three of the teams that won 100 games this season are out. One, the other team won 99 games. So the teams that, that are coming in the wild card setup right now is not fair to the teams that win all these games during the year, right? As Jack said, here's teams. The Dodgers have, have won 100 games in the last three years and have mm-hmm. not gone to the World Series. Last year they ran into the Phillies. This year they run into the Diamondbacks. And it seems like they're not really – that buy is not helping them, Byron. And a lot of people think that buys help teams in, in sports. And a lot of times they don't because they sit out so long. Right. And this is all about timing, momentum, and who, you know, and, and, and staying healthy. You know, the timing is perfectly for a lot of these teams now showing up and, and beating these teams that's won over 100 games. And so I just going to show you that, you know, and then it's come to the skippers, you know, the, the, the managers. And, and, and so, you know, you got some good managers out there now. And then they, they put good game plans together for pitching and scheduling the hits and things like that. It's all a combination of those things that you see now. And, you know, so I, I say the momentum is really the key factor going into the playoffs. Guys, I think it matters which sport it is. Let's be honest about it. Baseball's a lot different. A case in point, let's take football. Take a team of the Division II All-Stars in college and let them play the NFL All-Stars. They can play them 50 games, and they're not going to come close to winning one game. They're not even going to come close. But you take minor league baseball players, mid-level minor leaguers, and let them play the major league all-stars. And if they play 50 games, there's a chance they're going to win a game or two, actually, because baseball's different. Basketball is different. A powerhouse NBA team isn't going to lose best three out of five to a team that just sneaks into the playoffs. It's very rare, put it that way. But in baseball, it's commonplace. I mean, that wasn't the only upset the Phillies over the Braves. And that wasn't even a massive upset. Look at Arizona sweeping the Dodgers. The Baltimore Orioles, like you said, Mac, they win 101 games. They get swept in the playoffs. Baseball is it's so unusual. Anyone could beat anyone. Let's say you put the Kansas City Royals, a very weak team this year, the Oakland Athletics, the worst team in baseball, and let them go be a playoff team. Make them eligible to be in the playoffs. They would actually have a chance of winning a playoff series in baseball, but you wouldn't get that in another sport. Mm, I'm not sure about that. You, you talked about uh, college all-star teams. We're talking about professional I think if you take the worst team in, in, in basketball, they would win a game maybe against uh, a powerhouse uh, in a, in a set five- or seven-game series. I think that would be possible. They wouldn't win best three out of five. No, no, but you were saying that the baseball team would at least win one. I think an NBA team would probably at least win one game, two in that series. What's interesting to me is here is that Though the Dodgers made it to where they, you know, to where they made it, it's a disappointing year for them, right? I mean, like I said, three years. But then you go to the Orioles, and they won the, you know, they won the the AL East, and the the Braves, um, the Orioles fans are looking at it a different way than the Dodgers or maybe even the Braves are, Byron, because you know this is their first year back uh, at the top of the AL East, and they're probably looking at this as a stepping stone till next year. 
Absolutely. You know, they was excited. You know, they 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 numbers went up and you know, they were wearing the, the colors, the orange and the black. And uh, with the Dodgers, you know, they they've been winning the last three years. So it's it's definitely a different case scenario with you know with with the teams. And you know, here even here in Texas, here in Arlington, you know, um, we didn't really expect the Rangers to to make the make it to the to the championship series, but they did. So it, it just goes to show you that uh you know, sometimes I, I still say the skipper, you know, the general manager and, and the coaches have a lot to do with it. You know, it's so ironic in the series, guys, Texas and Houston, Justin Verland against Max Scherzer, so two Met pitches. Let's say the Mets had, hadn't gotten rid of them. You know, both they asked both pitches that they want to leave. They wanted to move on because the Mets figured they were out of it. Had the Mets rode out the rest of the season with them, you know, who knows what would have happened. But it, it's ironic the two Mets starters who couldn't win it, win with the Mets, really, the way the Mets wanted them to, are going to be starting in the uh, National League Championship Series against one another. Yeah. Good morning. Yes, Good morning, Rick. Glad to have you aboard again today. Always love having Rick uh, joining us as he brings some, some good comments and information to the show. You know, I I think that if if you look at the the teams and how they're built i think that has something to do with whether they win or lose too jack i don't think it you know we talk about players that go to different teams and they win there you know one of those one of those was aaron hicks uh and the couple of pitchers you mentioned but i think it has to do with the team how they're playing what the clubhouse is like how they're being treated a lot of things go into whether you perform better or not you know, put in the best position to win, as they say in football a lot. Are they put in the best position to win? And I think some managers and some organizations have a different way of doing things that make these players player pitch better. Um, it's I think there's a lot more behind the scenes that we don't see. You know, besides fans booing or or or, or whatever, there I think things are happening behind the scenes that we. We don't know. Got, got, so it's it's the culture of the organization. You're right. The Atlanta Braves signed their young players to long term deals. The core of the team is going to be together for a while. So next year, at the very least, they're going to be back contending for the World Series. The Baltimore Orioles intriguing because they're basically a small market team, and they have a lot of good young players. Well, they're eventually going to lose unless they get signed to extensions, and they're not going to let them get close to free agency. So even though Baltimore Orioles won 101 games, they're riding high. They should be okay for the next two, three years. After that, you know, they might slip back to mediocrity, you know. So we don't, we don't know, you know, the long-term plan. Can they afford to sign these players? You know, the Texas Rangers laid out big money free agents like Corey Seager, Trevor Simi, did I get the quarterback, uh, Simi and the other, you know, play on their team. I sometimes get it mixed up with the jet backup quarterback with the Texas <laughs> Rangers. I was having this, you know. But the, but the point is, what teams are happy with their season? The Atlanta Braves are bitterly disappointed what happened, a bad offseason. The Dodgers are disappointed. Mookie Betts didn't get a hit in the whole playoff series. Freddie Freeman was bad at, what, 100? And they're going to be disappointed what happened. 
the Baltimore Orioles aren't going to be that disappointed. They, they, they're going to look at it as a good season. Milwaukee Brewers once again fell flat in the playoffs. They're going to be disappointed. No, so for the most part, teams are going to leave disappointed unless they unexpectedly make the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you somebody who's not disappointed is the Philly sports guy as his Phillies beat the Braves the second time in a row at the end of the year to go to uh, to go to the championship last year, I guess, the World Series. We're going to we're going to see what happens with the Philly power versus the pitch. And so far, it's been working out uh, last night. Bryce Harper, uh, uh, you know, didn't supply the power. Castellanos did. I think Scott was the other guy that hit the home run. And uh, the, the the Braves just couldn't. It looks like they were swinging for the fences, but that's another 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 thing for another day. It's too bad that Houston and Texas are in the same conference. You know, it could be a Texas World Series, sort of like a Subway Series, if maybe one of those teams were in a different conference. That probably would be a little bit more exciting. Byron, let me ask you this: Is there a lot of trash talk going on now with the Rangers and Astros? Because when the Astros won the division. They were taunting the Rangers on social media. Something is going down. I think this is a true rivalry, one of the biggest ones in Texas sports in a lot of years. Absolutely. You, you can see it on the news. I mean, they got these uh, the mascots going, and, and so it's really exciting to see them talking about it, which is good. It's, it, it brings more involvement with the fans and, the, the you know, people wearing the, the, the paraphernalia and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it, you can see the talk, the, the trash talking that started, which is great. And then, of course, here in Texas, you know, Dallas think they're better than Houston. Houston, of course, is a heavily populated area as well. So it's going to be good to see what happens. I, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what so we can do. I know I'm a Rangers fan. I got a couple of Rangers hats and stuff in here. So I'm going I'm to put on my Ranger gear. And I went to a couple of games this year. I've been going to a couple of Rangers games, so. Uh, would, a, would a Ranger World Series victory be nearly, not as big, nearly as big as the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl? Could it approach it? Yeah, I think so. I think you can see the fan base. You know, we had 40,000 fans here uh, the last game that they played here. And, you know, and people are you, they really get excited about it. So uh, you can see the growth. You can see the excitement. All right. So we're going to let Byron go. Byron's got a, a meeting with a bunch of uh, children, uh, and he's going to tell them to stay in school and, and and give them a pep talk. And and Byron does give a lot of of his time to the youth around there and in in, in Texas. And uh, Byron, have a great day, and we'll catch you on uh, next Friday. All right, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great week. You too. So there you go. Byron Williams on his way uh, to to inspire some children uh, and tell them to stay in school. Um, so Jack, with that again, we, we got now we got our matchups. We've got Houston and Texas, and we got um Arizona Diamondbacks and Philly. Arizona definitely would be the underdog in that game. I guess Texas would be the underdog in the other game, Jack. Yeah, when you think of the reward of having the best record, it's all luck depending on who you play. If the Atlanta Braves had their choice who to pick to play in the playoffs because of having the, having the best record in the National League, the best record in all of baseball for that matter, they would have picked the Arizona Diamondbacks instead of the Philadelphia the Phillies. The Phillies were tougher matchups. The Dodgers' problem is their starting pitching was 
decimated. Yeah, All they cool. really had was Clayton Kershaw, who was there, and they were relying on their bullpen otherwise. And Kershaw was dreadful in the first game. I don't, I don't understand Clayton Kershaw. He did have one good World Series where he won a couple of games. He occasionally ha has had a very good postseason uh, outing now and then. But he's really been bad in the postseason all in all. He's been extremely mediocre. He hasn't shown up as a big game pitcher at all. And this year, too, when they really needed him to be lights out the game one, I mean, he was he was awful. Absolutely awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, so here we go. There's, it's exciting to me because we have two teams that haven't, I don't know if the Arizona Diamondbacks have ever been into a championship. I'm not sure. I don't think so. But you've got some new teams in there. Uh, that well, Diamondbacks beat the Yankees. They, no, they beat the Yankees in uh, 2001 in the World Series. Okay, 2001. So, so it's been a been a long time. I know it's been a long time. Long time, long time for uh, Texas. I don't think many people are going to pick the Diamondbacks to actually beat the Phillies. The Phillies on the run. The Phillies do have a better team, <clears> but it doesn't mean that the better team is going to win, as, as we're seeing in this playoffs. Uh, well, right now, Jack, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to pick the Diamondbacks to beat the Phillies and to go to play the Texas Rangers in the most unlikely World Series in a long time, uh, especially it's talking about the beginning of the year. So that should be exciting. Let's get into last night's game. Um, Kansas City beats Denver 19-8. to Russell Wilson throws two interceptions, one not his fault, fumbles uh, in the game. Denver scored a season-low eight points on offense of course sean uh sean payton was there to help the offense improve it hasn't worked yet uh mahomes goes 30 for third for 46 for 360 yards one touchdown one interception uh pack pack chico pack i don't know why. i don't know why i'm having a problem with the name today but pacheco uh, has 18 carries for 62 yards think star trek when you think of his name and seventh uh, round draft choice. Yes. And Kelsey has nine receptions for 124 yards, even though he was hurt a little bit yesterday. Of course, uh, the biggest news of the whole game was Taylor Swift was there. So um, what do you think, Jack? I mean, is the Denver offense, the Denver's defense played pretty good. I don't think the Kansas City offense has it together yet, um, as they're still trying to find uh on timing or or know what Patrick Mahomes is going to do. He still makes big throws at, at, at the most critical times in the game. Kansas City doesn't look like a powerhouse like it did uh, the last couple of years. Um, but maybe it's just maybe it's just they're just not together yet. And Denver definitely isn't together. You know, the, the keep on the Kansas City Chief theme, I'm going back a ton of years to the fourth year of the Super Bowl when the Chiefs played my New York Jets. This was the year after the Jets won the Super Bowl. And of course, the Chiefs won it last year. The Jets had a 10 and four record that year, but they were winning against, against teams that weren't that strong. They were doing enough to win games. They had a seven and two record when they came in and they met the powerful Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs beat the Jets, and it was a Jet home game, 34-16. And then the Chiefs beat the Jets in the playoffs. This Kansas City Chiefs team reminds me of that Jet team. They're doing enough to win, but they're not dominating. 
They're beating a Denver Bronco team because they're just better than them. They beat them 19 to 8. Imagine the San Francisco 49ers when the opposing corner Mac. Chiefs aren't going to beat the Niners, you know, the way they are right now. They're getting away with it. There's no sense of urgency with the Chiefs because they're winning. They're five and one. So they they're not happy with the way they're playing. But I think what the Chiefs really need is a good old-fashioned kick in the rear end. Play a powerful team like the Niners, be beaten soundly, and maybe it wakes them up. You know, last year, Patrick Mahomes worked magic after losing Tyreek Hill, spreading the ball around to all the wide receivers. This year, it just doesn't seem he has the wide receiver core. I mean, he's not connecting with them. His only reliable weapon is Travis Kelsey, Pacheco running the ball, but Pacheco's not an elite running back, but they've opened up holes for him. He's done, he did well last year. He's done well this year. But I'm a bit worried about Kansas City. And, you know, can you imagine the Chief fans at one point, they booed Mahomes a little when one of the drives stalled? I mean, and it wasn't a, a hateful boo. It was like, come on. They recognized that the team's struggling. This version of the Kansas City Chief team, Mac. It's not only going to not win the Super Bowl, but I could see them getting eliminated in the first game of the playoffs, not making it to the AFC championship game. You know, the interesting thing about the Chiefs this year is that there's no Eric Bieniemy, And we all say, well, you know, you know, that that the head coach calls the plays for them over there. Andy Reid is is really the guy that's really doing things. Now, Eric Bieniemy is with the the um, Washington Commanders, and he's not there anymore. Did we take him for granted? I mean, did 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 we not give him enough credit for the Chiefs' offensive success? I think he got his share credit. I mean, his name not was coming really. up when you're talking about head coaching jobs. Listen, Andy, Andy Reid's like been highly successful. Maybe the new offensive coordinator, maybe, you know, Matt Nagy, who I believe is, you know, in the role, but Andy Reid is still calling the plays. I think it's just one of these things that they're struggling. I mean, it's a good point you mentioned with the enemy, but look what's going on with the commanders. The jury's still out. Can we say the commander's offense has been so good? You know, so-so, not bad, but not good either. And we'll, Rick, we'll Rick, see. Rick, Rick agrees with you. But this yeah. is Bianami's first year under a head coach that sure isn't Andy Reid, right? I mean, Andy Reid is an offensive-minded coach. He, he has been that way uh, throughout his career. I wouldn't say, say Riverboat Ron is an offensive uh, a genius. He's a, more a defensive coach. He was a linebacker and coach was a defensive coordinator. All I'm saying, I'm not saying that, you know, Eric Bianami – made the Chiefs what they are. They got they got their players. They had, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes. You got, uh, well, all I'm saying is that we all, everybody, I'm not saying you, Jack, or, or Rick. What I'm saying is that a lot of people out there were saying, well, yeah, the enemy really doesn't call the plays during the game. He might help out there. They kind of they kind of pushed him to the side a little bit. Like, eh. And I'm, listen, I don't know Eric the enemy. I know there's a lot of stories about him. I know that he's in his first year as an offensive coordinator, not on the San Francisco, uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs. But, but all of a sudden, the Chiefs, Chiefs offense, even with the new receivers, the Chiefs offense is kind of sputtering a little bit. And I think we kind, 
I think the fans in Kansas City, I think a lot of people thought that Bienemy was not a big part of Kansas City. All I'm saying is maybe he was. Maybe well, there's two was. ways to look at it. You know, Skibby Moore and Kadarius Tony, a couple of Patrick Mahomes young wideouts, they really haven't developed the way we thought they would. I mean, they make a nice catch now and then, and they show their potential, but they really haven't come along. You know, they, like I said, they got by without Tyreek Hill last year with the loss of Tyreek Hill. But this year, it's kind of like a delayed effect there, too. I also think part of it is Patrick Mahomes is playing to the game. The Kansas City defense has been real good this year, you know, even better than expected. And they're in command of these games, not winning overwhelmingly. And he's not in a position where he's really forced to open things up. You know, playing to the game, getting the wins, and playing teams that are kind of mediocre. He's playing very winnable games, and they're winning the game. So there's peace in Kansas City until they hit a bump in the road. The way they're playing now, they're going to hit a big bump in the road. They're going to be beaten decisively in one game, and that's going to be a bit of a wake-up call. Well, yeah, listen, they're five and one. They're in first place. Uh, you know, everybody's going to get everybody's going to get woken up here and there. But I agree with you. I don't think Kansas City is I'm not going to say they're a paper tiger, but I don't think they're as uh, they're as loaded. Definitely not as loaded as they were, uh, you know, the last couple of years. So we'll see what happens with that. A little a little NFL news. Uh, hopefully Keith comes in today. We'll get to college. Um, the trade deadline is coming up, Jack. Denver, of course, is is one of the teams named in the in the in the uh, the deadline. Um, they're going to listen to offers for Russell Wilson, which I don't think there'll be many with that contract. But they're also going to be talking a little bit about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I think Jerry Judy is an interesting piece that could be picked up by another team. Um, you know, he 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 does play well. He's not a elite elite wide receiver, but he can help another team, Jack. Yeah, Jerry Judy, a former number one overall draft pick. He's shown flashes like he's an elite receiver, but he's kind of stagnated at Denver. And you kind of wonder, is he just in the wrong situation? Is he part of the problem? Is the problem affecting him? That's the question. And if you put him in a different situation, is he going to thrive? I mean, we don't know. We see receivers like Chase Claypool, Juju Schuster. We thought in a different environment, a different team, they might be better. It might be beneficial to them. But it really hasn't been that way with those two guys and a number of other receivers as well. And maybe Jerry Judy just needs the right situation. And uh, But that, that, what but what can Denver get for him that would make it worthwhile for the Broncos? A team isn't going to send over a number one draft pick for Judy. I don't even think they send over a number two draft pick. And is it worth it if you could get a third round draft pick for Jerry Judy going forward? Unless you need money to manage the cap and get a reduced salary, you know, to me it wouldn't make any sense. You may as well ride it out with him. And the problem really is in the quarterback position. I mean, Russell Wilson can still manage a game if he has the pieces around them, but he, all in all, he doesn't really have the pieces around them. Yeah, I, I, I 
tend to agree with you there. I mean, unless they can put a package together, I I don't even know if Russell. Like I said, I don't even think Russell Wilson. I don't know who'd want to take on no that. No one will take that contract, Mac. You know, the only way the only way you can somehow trade Russell Wilson if you trade one problem for another. If there's a team that still believes in him from his days at Seattle and they really believe that they could straighten him out, that he just needs to change his scenery, and they have a player with a contract that maybe isn't as big as Russell Wilson's, but could approach it somewhat, maybe they work out a deal and they take a little bit of a, you know, salary, uh, a little bit of a cap hit, willing to gamble on Russell Wilson. But I mean, who would really? Do something like that. I I, I don't know, Jack. I, I it would be not Daniel be Jones for Russell Wilson. What do you think of that, Mac? <laughs> well, since Daniel Jones is hurt, maybe I take it right now with his bad neck. Um, well, um, the the uh, another team, of course, this is with Pags. Is I think Pags started this rumor, uh, but Minnesota at one and four. Justin Jefferson is on IRL. If they don't win anymore, they they may not even bring him back. Minnesota, uh, you, yeah, they have a pretty good quarterback over there, Kirk Cousins. The Jets need a uh, an not a chance of him going to the Jets. Quarterback. He's not the only one saying it now, Jack. He's not the only Did one. Someone put out this dumb room on social media because they want people like you to bite it at Mac, and you're biting. You're taking the bait. Well, I mean, would you take Kirk Cousins over? Uh, you know, Zach Wilson right now. Kirk Cousins is better than Zach Wilson exactly. right now. Let me state that. But no, I absolutely wouldn't take the deal. you got to look at the whole picture. Aaron Rodgers will be back next year. He's even talking as crazy as it seems of somehow coming back by the end of this year. I mean, do I think he will? Nope. But it's, he seems to think he, he could be back before the year's out. And who knows? Who knows? And so what are you going to do with Kirk Cousins? Are you really going to give up any type of significant draft capital just for the rest of this year? You don't do it. You absolutely don't. He would just be loaned to the team. I mean, it's demoralizing to do that. And Kirk Cousins doesn't win big games. Look at his career. He puts up some nice numbers. He doesn't come through really in the big spots. Even with Minnesota last year, when they had a really good year, he basically fell flat when he played the Giants in the playoff game. His stats looked okay, but he didn't provide any real leadership there. Good morning, Good Keith. morning to Keith Angle from TGI Sports. He's in a jacket. He's rubbing his hands. I guess it's cold in the studio. Keith, you got to pay the heat bill. I always tell you that. Uh, you know, yeah. after the show is over, that why don't you leave the Jets alone and have Kirk Cousins go to New England and join Belichick? Then they sign him to an extension. Now that makes more please, sense. Please, 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 please. I'm not. <clears throat> no one's talking about Kirk Cousins to the Pats. They're talking about him to the Jets. That's why I brought it up, Keith. Uh, glad that you could make it in this morning. We finally got it straightened out. Uh, your time's coming in here. Um, Let's let's take a look at the college football first, and then we'll get back into the NFL where we are sure. right now. Because I, I, there's really good games coming up. Uh, one of them Mr. won't be Georgia. Missed you guys, by the way. I want to make that clear. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah, missed we you, Keith. Uh, to, yeah, I was. It's 
passed the deadline, but I was going to mention Aaron Hicks, five RBIs in a playoff game, five did, RBIs. Did so they win? Did they win? <laughs> All right, so let's let's get back to college football, Keith, because Jack likes to you know change the subject every every time I start something here. Uh, a lot of good games in college football this weekend, as I was saying. Georgia Vanderbilt probably won't be one of them, Keith. Uh, no, I do not think it will be. Georgia got it going last week. Uh, finally, put a complete game together for the first time really all year, um, and I think this team is going to continue to get better. Um, you know, as good teams do as the season goes on, uh, Kirby Smart has kind of shown that through the last few years uh, with two championship teams. I still like this team to three-peat myself. Although it's wide open. The field's wide open right now. So, Keith, let me ask, has Georgia been complacent this year, knowing how good they are, knowing that they're going to win these games? Do they no. need a good kick in the behind? No, I really don't think that's the case. I think they're not as talented this year. They they aren't coasting. They've had to replace a lot of really good players over the last two seasons. They've got a quarterback who's growing into the job. Um, I do think that they maybe got a wake-up call against Auburn uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think that helped. And they got a guy named Brock Bowers, who, by the way, besides having a great name for sports, right, um, is going to play on Sundays for a long, long time. He is a great player. Yeah. Um, Michigan, Keith, number two in the country right now, going up against Indiana. Is there a chance that Indiana might be able to, to stage an upset here? Uh, I think the game's in Indiana, but Indiana has not played well. They fired their offensive coordinator uh, a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago. Tom Allen's on a hot seat. I don't see an upset happening here. Michigan has yet to be tested. They're really good. They're winning games big, but they really have not. They're one of those teams – a few teams that haven't had no test at all yet. So I don't think so. I think Michigan will be fine. Yes, that is very true. And and, and Rick Rick's, Rick's is in. Good morning, Keith. Correct about the dogs. So he agrees with you. He thinks the Georgia Bulldogs uh, will three-peat this year. I'm not so sure. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you got Ohio State playing Purdue. And, again, uh, you know, I remember when Purdue was a pretty good college uh, football team. They were up there in the top ten a couple times. Uh, especially during the Drew Brees days, um, is is Purdue? Are they? Are is it is it harder for Purdue to get a a good college football team together with the NIL and and I know Purdue is pretty scholastically it's a pretty scholastic school. It is a it is a good scholastic school, definitely. Uh, they you know the 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 level the the what should I say the bar to get in is not you know as as low as it is at some other schools. Uh, but they have good teams here and there. They don't put consistency together. They're not going to ever be good for 10 or 12-year stretches like, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and, and the like. But um, they're not as good as they've been under the, the uh, this year as they were the last five, six years under Jeff Brom, uh, who left to go to Louisville, who's another great story, by the way. Um, right. But it's a decent football team. Any given Sunday, they could give somebody a problem. But they're not going to be winning the Big Ten. Nobody in that Big Ten West is going to be winning that uh, league anytime soon. The Big Ten. Any West given West. Sunday, any given Saturday, you mean, Keith? Oh, what did I say? Sunday, yes, Saturday. Every, any given Sunday. Now you have, yeah. Now you're believing the way I do it. Team of college <laughs> all stars could maybe hang with the worst NFL team. Well, the co you know, college is now getting to the point where they play every day of the week except Sunday, so it's it's hard to keep really? track. So. 
It is very true. They're playing during the days also. Uh, Florida State, number four versus Syracuse. Florida State uh, not looking as good as they, they could be, or maybe they're not as good as we think they are, Keith, right now. This is a team, I think, that does play down to the competition a little bit. They are that good. They're a good football team. I think they play down when they've had big games. They've come up big um, and won those games. I still, this is one of the teams I picked uh, to make the final four along with Georgia, by the way, Oklahoma, which I think we'll probably get to in a second and uh, Ohio state. Um, I just think Florida state, I think they'll romp Syracuse this week. Syracuse has had a couple of tough games in a row now. Um, and I see the third one coming here for them. And Dino Babers, who's I really like up there. This will be the second year in a row they got off to a five, five and oh, they might even got off the six and start last year and things kind of went in the toilet. So they better win the games, the winnable games they've got left after this. Okay. The one in five UMass Minutemen going up to play from the number six in the country, Penn State. Um, I've been doing it. I do a show now, Keith, called the New England Sports, where I. I'm looking at uh, the New England teams around here, UConn, UMass, Maine, stuff like that. So I'm I'm starting to learn a little bit about the players and the and, and the coaches and stuff like that. But uh, I think I, I don't. Do they make money to go to to Penn State? Don't, is, isn't the, isn't the way it works? It make they make money if the team comes to their stadium, right? Uh, yes, 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 yes. They have to pay UMass. These are these are all pay for play games, right? They're they're playing them for one reason. They need the money. And UMass is one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, sorry, uh, but but they are. And this this game won't be a, a matchup. And Penn State, by the way, I've got them on my list of, list of pretenders because they still haven't been tested. They're one of the least ex- – they're scoring a lot of points, but they're one of the least explosive teams in the country. They, they're ranked like 113th and plays over 20 yards through five or six games. They're not going to beat Ohio State. They're not going to beat – uh, Michigan without those types of explosive plays. Now, maybe they've kept it, you know, under the vest for now because they don't need to use those plays. But their quarterback, uh, Lars, only thrown the ball over 20 yards four times in five games. So I, I, I'm not a big James Franklin fan because he can't beat Michigan and Ohio State. We'll find out this year. So, well, you know, you know, Keith, I don't think Penn State. Correct uh, me if I'm wrong. I don't remember Penn State ever being a team that really threw the throws the ball down the field all the time. There might have been a, one or two years they did, but they're mainly what? a defensive run the ball. I mean, their history is mainly defensive, good defense, run the ball, uh, uh, control the clock. I mean, I really don't. I, I don't really remember, except for maybe a couple of years they had. I know they had a great quarterback one year, college quarterback who did do that, but mainly. Uh, Penn State doesn't do that. You're absolutely right. That's why they haven't played for a national championship in 35 years either. So, because the game's yeah. changed, you have to have that type of offense, I think, to compete. Because everybody's running a pro style offense now. Alabama. Unless you're Alabama. <laughs> well, Unless you're Alabama. Alabama. Even <laughs> Alabama, not this year, because they don't have any quarterbacks that can get the ball down the field. But Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Tua. Those guys all threw, had explosive plays. They all threw the ball down the field. They had explosive wide receivers and and quarterbacks who could get them the football. So we think about Alabama being a ground and pound, and they really have not been that for quite some time. For years. Is this a reset year for Alabama, Keith, that they're just resetting this year, knowing they're probably not going to be in the mix, which they're not really for the national championship. Well, you know and they'll come back strong next year. 
kind of rebuilding in a way, rebooting? There probably are, uh, Jack, but, I mean, we can't count them out. I mean, they've got one loss that's out of conference. They're still uh, on track to play in the AC, uh, the uh, SEC championship game. And if they go there and they beat Georgia, they're going to the playoff. If they walk, if they run the table, go to the, the SEC championship game, they'll be in the playoff. But this isn't the same Alabama team that we've known from the past. No, it's not nearly – nowhere near as good. They're not as good at quarterback. They're not good as wide receiver. Their defense is still pretty stout, but there's there's some holes there too. Um, but, again, I, I think there's no real super good team right now in, in, in anywhere in the NCAA. There's a lot of really good teams. The Washington, probably the biggest game of the week, I would say Washington versus Oregon, number seven versus number eight. Huge. Two offenses, two good defenses, very good defenses uh, will be will be uh, facing off in Oregon. Keith, you know, I know a lot of people like Washington State. A lot of people, including yourself, may think they might make the final four, and they might. Um, I still think Oregon's defense is a little bit better than Washington's. And, and playing at home, I think that Oregon wins this game. I think this game's in Washington. Let me just double check because uh, you are correct. It's versus Oregon, not at Oregon. It is in yeah. Washington. Yeah, I, I like Washington only because this game's at home. These two teams on paper, I mean, and you don't play the game on paper, obviously, but they're almost mirror images of each other, as you kind of alluded to. They got two Heisman uh, candidate trophy, uh, trophy quarterbacks in Michael Penix and Bo Nix. Uh, they got two great young coaches. Um, and I think, I do think Oregon's defense is a bit better than Washington's. Definitely. We saw what they did to Colorado after they'd been, you know, run out of points like crazy. Um, but I just like at home, I like Washington in this game. They're two very do. I think they're the two best teams in the Pac 12 uh, in, a, in, in, a, in a league that's pretty, at least six deep. Um, I, I think they're, this is going to be the game of the week for sure. Be the, make sure you sit down and watch this game at 3 30. It's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely will. Um, number 10 USC goes into Notre Dame. USC wins and they keep getting moved down the uh, ranking. And we know why, because of their defense. Listen, I, I I think Notre Dame is 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 a paper, it was and still is a paper tiger. Their defense is okay. I mean, they're injured a little bit. Their offense is mainly just a running team and they don't want to run. They want to throw with a quarterback who stands like a statue in the pocket and is not athletic at all. And, and, you know, he's got to be at least a little athletic. Uh, you got to have a little athletic quarterback in either the NFL or college to win, Keith. Yeah, I, listen, USC's uh, right there with Penn State in my list of pretenders because their defense is no better than it was last year. Lincoln Riley's going to have very little choice but to probably get rid of Alex Greenwich after this year. He brought him with him from Oklahoma where he was terrible. And they're really no better this year, even with some good transfers uh, into the system. You can't play at home against a mediocre team like Arizona and let them take you to multiple overtimes to be able to win that game. They don't win that game without a two-point conversion at the end to, to to win it. I think I think Notre Dame will beat this team this weekend. Wow. Wow. We'll see. A uh, couple games I wanted to talk to you about. Arkansas and Alabama, big rivalry. Um, Arkansas, I mean, if Alabama – Arkansas can win this game, Keith. They can win this game. They can. Arkansas has been a bit of a disappointment this year, but they played some close games. Uh, they played close game against LSU. They played a close game against, uh, oh gosh, somebody else last week. And I'm, maybe Ole Miss. I, it's, I think it's, it's Ole Miss. in my mind now. Uh, but they, they just haven't been able to really put get in the victory column. They can keep this game close because, as we said, 
Alabama's not the Alabama we know. I mean, they needed some help last week to beat Texas A&M. Um, and Jimbo Fisher kind of helped them a little bit with a strange timeout near the end of the game. But uh, um, I, this will be a closer game. I, th- I do think Alabama will win this game. We got Arizona at Washington State. Now, Washington State and Oregon State are two really good teams. I mean, Oregon yep. and Washington get all the all the hype, and they, they deserve it. But Washington State and Oregon State are both no slouches. Arizona, as you said, Keith, I think Arizona and Washington State is going to be a good game. I think it will be. Washington State comes off a tough loss at UCLA last week, who's got a really good defense and, and shut that pretty high-powered uh, Washington State offense down pretty good. Cam Ward is, you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Cam Ward is one guy that flies under the radar, and he's really, really good. Uh, this could be a close game. I do expect Washington State to bounce back, though, here. I do, too. I do, too. So let's get back to the NFL. The trade deadline's coming up. We brought up some of the teams that probably will be trading or at least should be thinking about trading, trying to get trying to get uh, some assets for some of the guys. And I'm going to come to my Giants. Uh, we talked a little bit about Denver and Minnesota. Saquon Barkley hurt again this year. Uh, one healthy, one of the best running backs in the league. Um, maybe it's time the Giants move on from him. Maybe they can get a third-round pick. Maybe uh, another player in a third-round pick for him. Um, and when he's healthy, as I said, he's a weapon. Uh, there are some teams out there that could use Saquon Barkley. Uh, he may be able to come back this year and maybe help him in the playoffs. What do you guys think about that? Do you think the Giants should push on for Saquon Barkley, get their, a third-round draft choice, maybe an offensive lineman or something, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying hang it up or, or give in, but they're not going to go anywhere this year. Well, you are saying you are saying you're giving up if you trade Saquon Barkley. I'm sorry. You just are. And not just this year. You're probably putting the next couple of years because if they expect to contend in the near future, Saquon Barkley, in my mind, needs to be part of that. So They need him next year, Max. Everything doesn't end this year. That's the mentality of teams in sports. They become sellers. Once they're out of it one year, they don't think of the following year. Let's say you get a third-round draft pick. You're not likely to get anyone nearly as good as Saquon Barkley for that. Come on. They they can franchise tag Saquon Barkley next year, so they could have him arrested this year. And let's say they're giving up on this year, okay? But what about next year? And Saquon Barkley is potentially a legacy player for the Giants. A lot has to do with team's image. Keith and myself talked about, for example, Aaron Judge's value to the Yankees as a legacy player. Saquon Barkley can be a giant legacy player if they start winning in the future and you make him a career giant. And I think it's important for franchises to have legacy players because it's good for the image of the team long term. Mm -hmm. I agree. Listen, I don't want to trade him. I'm just saying they may start thinking about doing that. He is injury prone. And, you know, I mean, it's great. It's great he's a great back, but he's been injured three out of the, what, the four years he's been there. So it's just a thought. Just a thought, guys. Well, I don't know. You know. I get it. You know, McCaffrey, too, is another guy who was injured a lot, and he's gone out to San Francisco and certainly added something to that team. So, and he didn't get traded for a third round draft pick either. So, that, I think, and I think those are two players that are very similar uh, myself. I do too. Uh, thank you, Rick. Uh, Danny Crimes cannot do it without Barkley. Why are you talking about uh, the quarterback? You know, uh, Daniel Jones getting traded as opposed to Saquon Barkley. Well, nobody's going to trade. 
for him now, but no, not being hurt and not and not and not the way he played so far this year. I mean, it's not all his fault, but uh, he he probably won't end up playing this week. They'll probably end up going to the to going to the uh, uh, second string quarterbackers. <laughs> I will say, if you were to trade Barkley, you might as well trade Jones too, because you're not winning for a while that's, if you trade. That's 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 that. I was going to say that uh, right after Jack got done with his his comment there. Good morning, yeah. Keith Williams over there at Sports Empire. Glad to have you over watching the show today, Keith. Um, so a couple of stories outside uh, the realm of sports, but is kind of sports related. Uh, Patriots, former player, uh, I'm sure you're aware of this. Keith uh, ends up uh, arrested, uh, you know, in the murder of his mother. Um Sergio Brown played for the Pats for seven years. Uh, always a sad thing to see, you know, what, why this happens. And it's just a sad thing. Yeah. I, again, I don't have a lot to add to what you said. It's a sad situation. I don't, I, I, I always shake my head at these situations. I never understand what's, what's going on in people's minds when these types of things happen. And, and, you know, but there, we have to remember too, that, uh, and we forget sometimes that there's human beings playing these games and, there's people with a lot of problems, uh, things that we just have no clue about. And uh, it's a sad yeah. situation. I And I agree. And I don't know what drives people to do that. But, again, he's a known person. It happens all the time. A known person, former player, uh, is going to make the news. As I said all year, Bryce Young is a bust. You know, I've been saying it since they drafted him. He's not that. He's, he's not an NFL quarterback. And here's the latest now. Not only is it too small, too light, injury prone. Um, How big was Drew Brees? Yes, very, very light Drew Brees. Uh, Now they're going to simplify the playbook for him. I guess he can't pick up the the plays scheme over there. So the head coach over there um, is going to, you know, he's going to bring it down a little bit for him so that maybe simplify it, make it easier for him. Um, you know, I, I, throwing a young quarterback in is tough in any circumstance. Um, you know, when you even, even Stroud, I mean, he's playing well, but he might've benefited even more if maybe he didn't get playing right away. Richardson got hurt. I think Bryce Young, uh, I think they rushed him. I think they're going to ruin his, his career. And I, I, I think it's, it's just too fast for a kid like that right now. Well, some kids, and we've had this debate before. I mean, some kids are ready to play. Some aren't, right? And maybe he's not ready. It's way too early to say he's a bust. It's five games into his NFL career. And look at he's got I, – I don't know what, what will happen with, with Bryce Young in the future, but I don't think size matters as much as it used to. Look at Geno Smith. He's playing well. Look at Drew Brees, who's had a Hall of Fame career at about five foot nine. And you know, come on. <laughs> I think that's exaggerated. Bryce Young is going to be a good NFL quarterback, a very good NFL quarterback when all said. Then I would have drafted CJ Stroud ahead of him. That's just me. But uh, I think that the Panthers did make a mistake there. But it doesn't mean Bryce Young won't be a good player. But let him get the kinks out. You just said it best a moment ago. Keith said it. Some guys are a little more ready at the beginning than the other, and it's the circumstance, the type of team you have. The whole Carolina Panther team is struggling. They could have Patrick Mahomes. Instead of being 0-5, maybe they would be 2-3 and at best. He's, yeah. he's with a bad team at the moment that's underperformed. 
Okay, but he'll straighten up. Let him get the kinks out. Let him continue to fail for a while if he does, and eventually it'll turn around with Bryce Young. He's too good for it not to happen. Yeah, Wait, really? he hasn't been healthy, as you said, Mac. He has been healthy now. He struck. He had some health issues in training camp too, which sets him back. I mean, Probably. I wouldn't read too. I wouldn't read too much in that. I'm simplifying the playbook because he hasn't had a chance to really learn the playbook. Because he's, he's had, I got to pull Mac out. Had, he's, he's had. He's had he's had all training camp. He got there early. I mean, he's he's had time to to look at the playbook and that. It doesn't Listen, mean he doesn't I know the plays. It doesn't mean he doesn't I, know the plays when they simplify the plays. I don't I don't hear no other rookie quarterback being the, this being so Mac, Mac, if the Patriots called you and they offered Mac Jones for Bryce Young even up, would you take the deal if you're Carolina? Right now, yeah. Oh yeah. Today you would. <laughs> He could have Bryce Young. He's going to love having Bryce Young. Yes. Uh, no, well, some... no, the Patriots would take Bryce Young. Yeah, let's, definitely. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, get to, let's get to the Patriots news here. Uh, Let me add just add one thing. Been, here. Let me, can I add just one thing to the Bryce Young thing real quick, for, and then we'll move on? Um, the issue I have is it, it sounds a lot, and you didn't mention his name, and I'm not saying you are, but when you talk about it the way we've talked about Bryce Young, it sounds like we're – we're call, putting him in the same category as Kyler Murray, which I don't think is fair. I don't think that's fair. I think, I think, I think they're much different players. Much different uh, well, players. We'll I, you know something? I think Kyler Murray's a little bit heavier than Bryce Young. We'll see what happens. Well, I mean, Kyler I, Murray I had a big season, at least. Bryce Young hasn't had it yet. He hasn't had the opportunity. And in fact, I think that was Kyle Murray's first year. But let's get to the Patriots news before we run out of time here. Keith, uh, two, two trains of thought here on Mac Jones. One, they didn't put receivers around him. They didn't put him in a position to play good. The offensive line is is terrible. Uh, the, the defense isn't playing well now, so he's always playing from behind. I mean, we that's one train of thought. The other train of thought is he's making throws – that have no excuses for him. I mean, he's just – he's playing bad. His mechanics are off. Uh, he, he, he seems to be frustrated. Some people are calling him bratty and a little bit of uh, immature. What, are they both right, or is there one that's more than the other? I think it's entirely possible that the first thing led to the second thing because he didn't play that bad. He didn't make a lot of bad throws and bad mistakes the first couple of games where they still fell behind – um, but fought back in those games against the Eagles and the Dolphins and, and had chances to win the game. Um, but the last couple of weeks, things have just snowballed so badly. And I think he's starting to feel the pressure of, number one, needing to perform to keep his job. And, and <laughs> I think he's better than we've seen. I just don't – and, again, I said before this season – they need to. They were evaluating him this season. They needed to bring in a, a, a DeAndre Hopkins or somebody to be a go-to guy. He has nowhere to go with the football. Every place, everybody he throws to is a jump ball. If I see one more jump ball to Devontae Parker, I'm gonna throw my TV out the window. I mean, good God! It, uh, and by the way, that I'll defend Mac Jones to a certain point, but you know his camp, not him, but. His camp said this week, you know, something to the effect of, you know, no matter how good a cookie you are, you can't cook if you got garbage to cook with. They need to shut up too, by the way. So yeah, that's that's. I mean, 
What about Bill O'Brien? He was brought in specially, you know, offensive coordinator to run the offense. Uh, I'll tell you, the last two weeks have been ugly. You know, oh. very, very ugly. The, the way they've lost to get shut out by New Orleans, 34 nothing after getting slaughtered by Dallas. If they should lose to the Raiders, is Belichick's job conceivably in jeopardy? As crazy as it might seem, is it possible that he might not last out the year? I could see Robert Kraft conceivably letting him go if they lose to the Raiders and they lose to him soundly this week. I, 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 would, have a hard time. I would have a hard time seeing for him fire him during a season. I would. But I will back up on my statements I've made in the past that you know Bill will decide when he leaves. It's starting to look like this is not going to be a nice parting of the ways between Belichick and the Patriots. And if those things, unless if things were different, even at one and four, if these last two games had been different, I would have been able to kind of come up with a scenario where this team could still win nine games. And I could, I look at the schedule and I say there's there's eight winnable games there. But the way they played last two weeks, I'm not even sure they can win one more the way they're playing right now. it, it snowball. It can snowball out of control sometimes. And it, it's a lot of things too. The bad play. You got injuries on the offensive line on a bad offensive line to begin with. Now you got Gonzalez out for the year, who was playing really good on defense. You got Judon probably out for the year, who's their best defensive player. And it just gets worse and worse. We're bringing back guys that we couldn't wait to get rid of, and JC Jackson. So well, you know, Gonzalez you know, Keith, definitely Keith, out for the whole season. Keith, Keith you're you're singing to the yeah. choir here. You're singing to the choir here. I mean, I, me and you have a lot in common this year. Uh, I think uh, we've yeah, had we we've had like 50 different offensive linemen since the beginning of the year. Uh, here's a quick – for the Giant fans out here, we got a little time. Uh, here's our injury list. Uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, tight end Darren Walker, Micah McFadden, Wayne Dale Robinson, Ariz O'Cleary, o- 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 uh, Dale Robinson. So, I, I mean – all they lost guys. when those guys were in the lineup and healthy. So I don't make it seem like that's why the Giants I, are losing. Well, those guys were playing. That offensive line was always suspect to begin with, just like the Patriots. So with everybody healthy, they might be okay. But the problem is they're not always healthy. And to Rick's that point, is- by the way, I saw Rick's comment too. He's right. I mean, part of this is on Mac Jones, but not all of it because – Again, as you said early, he's got so much pressure. He's getting happy feedback there and making really bad decisions because of the pressure that's on him without an offensive line. And if they don't figure out a way to fix this, I don't know. This could we could be picking first for all I know. Yeah, well, me, I think Giants will get first. You'll get the second pick because we want Caleb Williams more than you do. So just to let you know that, um, <laughs> I don't so want folks, Caleb. Williams. <laughs> so, folks. Thanks for joining us on the Mac and Jack Sports Show Friday edition. Thanks to Byron coming early. Glad to have Keith back on the show again. Uh, Keith's on uh, right after us on Roku and, and all his other places that are. You serious? Tune in there. Check out the way we're, we're full of shows here on Roku every Friday. Check us out as we keep getting more shows coming in. Uh, again, thanks. Again, uh, rest in peace, Dan Dave Harris. Uh, great, great person. Uh, for me, Jack and Keith, you have a great day and be careful out there Friday night if you're fooling around. We'll see you tomorrow on the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Debate show, folks. <laughs>